Hello, this is Brooke Brown from Trending Topics with BB Podcast. Fantasy sports fans are winning huge cash prizes every day at DraftKings.com, America's favorite place to play daily fantasy sports. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments, play whenever you want. So just pick your sport and draft your team. It's like a new season every time you play, so you're never stuck with the same players. Over $1 billion will be won at DraftKings.com this year, and you could be the next one to win big. Go to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code CULTURE to play free. That's CULTURE for free entry now at DraftKings.com. Not a fan of fantasy sports? Well, that's okay. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trendingtopicswithbb and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash trendingtopicswithbb. That's audibletrial.com slash trending topics with BB and get started today. Why Audible? Audible content includes more than 180,000 audio programs from leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine and newspaper publishers, and business information providers. Hello and welcome to another rousing edition of Trending Topics with BB. Yes, I am your humble host, Brooke Brown. It all ties together with letters. Anywho, welcome uh, to my podcast. If you're new, where have you been? If you're old, yes, we're back in 2016 with more episodes. Uh, I've been busy. I have a day job and another life. Um, I wish this could be my life, but uh, not the the case. Anyway, uh, before I get into who the guest is on this week's podcast, I do want to remind you that you can log on to my website, www.com brookmbrown.com for all episodes, links to other things. I wrote a blog for my EDM fans. Yes, I'm an EDM fan. Uh, I saw Marcus Schultz. I'm still on a high, which is ironic considering what I'm about to introduce. Um, But enough about that. Um, If you don't want to go on there, fantastic. What I would prefer you to actually do if you can't do more than one thing, is to log on to the iTunes page for Trending Topics with BB. Give me a good comment, a good rating, spread the word. I really hope uh, this con- podcast continues. And likewise, I'm also on Stitcher.com. So uh, a rating would help boost the episodes on that as well. But I do want to thank all of you who tune into this podcast regularly and all of you who, well, this is your first time, maybe you spread the word and you continue to listen in the future. But enough about that. Uh, the guest this week, um, I'm a huge fan of Straight No Chaser, which is an amazing acapella group, 10 wonderful guys from Indiana University. And I had the chance to chat with Walter Chase, uh, one of the founding members of the group, about uh well, straight no chaser stuff. A little bit about his podcast, the Chase Podcast, uh, and well, mostly everything pertaining to the music and acapella having to do with straight no chaser. Uh, without really spoiling our entire conversation, I want to thank Walter Chase for joining me all the way from Brooklyn, and enjoy my conversation with Walter Chase of Straight No Chaser. All right. Well. Uh... Walter, thanks again uh, for doing this. I appreciate it as a chaser and just 
you know, that you also have a podcast, and I know I mentioned it um, a few weeks ago when I was able to come see you guys. So, um, so in terms, well, it's kind of like, I don't want to, like, rehash what you guys have done and, like, because you guys, but I kind of wanted to go over, like, do you feel that you guys with Straight No Chaser are uh, getting more popularity these days, or is it about the same? Do you just see the same people over and over um, during the tour? Well, yeah, thanks again for having me. I, uh, you know, Straight No Chaser has had, uh, you know, a, a several different, you know, waves of, I guess you'd say, popularity. The initial wave was back in 2007 when we were trending and and uh, blowing up on YouTube with the video 12 Days of Christmas that got us signed to our record deal. So that was cool. And then, you know, we were, you know, our family members were finding out about it. And obviously, you know, the coworkers and different people. And then, you know, we get signed to a record deal and become a professional group. So that was kind of the first wave. And then another wave would be when we first started doing full-time touring when we were doing these two, two-and-a-half, three-month tours in October and December and able to walk away from our jobs to do this full-time. Um, so we've been doing that, um, you know, those these winter tours, which this past year was 75 tour dates in 67 cities, I think it was. And, um, you know, going back and forth across the country. And, um, you know, those, for the past, I'd say four years, you've had this consistent wave of, of winter tours. And, you know, obviously when we come to certain cities, we see a lot of the same people seeing you now a couple of times. And, uh, you know, it's one of my favorite parts of the show is when it's usually Charlie in this, in this past run. He comes out and asks, you know, how many people are seeing Straight No Chaser live in person for the very first time? And even after these many years going back to the same cities and sometimes the same exact date that we were there the year before, I'd say more than half the audience applauds or cheers at that point that they're seeing us for the first time. So, you know, yeah, definitely more than half of the audience is saying that. So it's 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 always exciting because we seem to. We make a joke that we don't get any returning customers. We don't get anybody returning to see us for the second time, but that's obviously not true. But it's, it's awesome to see that constantly new people are coming to check out the show. And, um, you know, we were, our tour this past year was, was just as solid as the year before. Um, so the fact that we're not diminishing is, is really exciting. And, uh, hopefully that continues in years to come. Well, I do have to admit that. Uh, I was one of those first timers, but it, I've been following you guys for years. I just haven't been able to make it to a show to this till a few weeks ago. So, it. yeah, it was finally awesome to finally be able to come see you guys because I've been a fan for a while, and I even brought my parents, and it was their first time. Um, I made them come with me. So, uh, like, it was just great uh, to see you guys live because you know I've been following you guys online and watching YouTube forever, but it was just it's a totally different experience, and I know I've met a lot of other chasers on online and we have Facebook groups and stuff like that. And you know, they're always like, "Yeah, it's gonna totally blow your mind," and and, and it was a different experience. So I, 
like it was awesome and obviously it's I'm gonna keep coming as much as I can. So um in terms of uh like as as you said there's different ways like I know you guys um you all have families and you guys travel so much. Do you you know, do you guys foresee this going for years to come or do you guys just play it year to year? Well I I'll speak for myself here. I I, uh, I hope that this is something that continues on and on, and um, you know we continue to grow with uh, the albums that we put out, with new cities that we've never been to, new countries uh, that we'll that we'll go to. For example, in February and March, we're going to be going all over Europe, and um, starting with two weeks in Paris uh, at, at one residency, and then uh, going all over. Um, mostly Western Europe. So, you know, you know, hopefully we'll continue to, to, to see new audiences and new countries and, and, uh, and, you know, this will go on as long as it'll have us. Awesome. Yeah. Do you think that like there's a resurgent and resurgence in, in interest and, um, overall education on the importance of acapella? Do you see that changing now that like, I know this is kind of one of those questions you guys get all the time, but, like, do you feel like more and more people are aware of acapella and appreciate it than ever before? That's a good question. I I know myself I've I've fallen, I've fo- followed acapella since I was, I mean, you know, really into it since I've been about, well, I was about 14 years, years old, so, you know, several decades now. And, you know, there, there seems to be a group or groups that hit at the same time. But because I'm so passionate about following acapella, it's hard for me to kind of see above the, you know, the, to see the, the forest above the trees. But, or forest through the trees, I don't know what the expression is. But I will say this, the fact that Pentatonix is charting the way that they are, um, you know, the number one albums and their videos are getting hundreds you know, of millions of views. Um, I'll say that I'm sure that between them, the show to sing off, um, even, you know, you know, what we've done and groups that have come before us also having resurgences now, you know, I, this might be a, a golden age of acapella. Oh, I should probably mention also Pitch Perfect and Pitch Perfect 2 because of just the tremendous success of those. So, you know, maybe this is the most, the most popular time of acapella. And for us being a part of that, that's a huge thrill and a huge benefit for us. And and I know I, I've I've heard other people ask you guys, but like it's funny. Do you do you believe that like as that explosion has happened, that there's just more camaraderie within the genre, or do you do you think that like depending on who you speak to, people see pentatonics as, you know, the group, but, like, you guys have been around longer than them, so, like, is there any more rivalry, or is it just more just, like, yes, we're all in this together, let's rock this genre? Yeah, it's definitely the, the latter part of that, where, you know, there's there's no need for a rivalry, there's plenty of, I mean, our, our audience, Screener Chaser's audience is much different than Pentatonic's audience, and is different than Rockapella's audience that is different from Take Six's audience and, you know, any other group you want to throw in there home free. Um, you know, we're, we're all just 
excited to be able to perform. I mean, I'm not going to speak for everybody. I, I feel that camaraderie that everybody just is excited to be out there and performing. And, you know, as long as, uh, you know, it, it seems that especially with the shows that are on TV, you know, The Voice and, and, and Glee and, and other shows like that, it's just helped to raise the level of singing and the level of expectancy of talent when it comes to singing. And because of that, you know, people are more educated. So when they come see our shows or go see another acapella show, they're even brought to a different level of, okay, well, this isn't just one person singing a solo. This is an entire group creating a sound. Awesome. So I know this past tour, you guys kind of did a little bit more on social media than even before you guys were doing. Well, Saggy does a lot of, you know, periscopes, and you guys were on Facebook Live. I know us chasers appreciate it. So I had a question that some chasers really, like, tweeted at me to ask. And um, even uh, they weren't quite sure even after uh, Tell All Tuesday, but will us chasers be able to – will there be another summit? in the future coming up? I'm not 100% positive, but we are working on something for this year. Um, Whether it comes together or not um, is still up in the air. So once we know, obviously, we will use social media to the umpteenth degree to promote it, and I really hope that it's a good time of the year if if it works out and it's the right place. so that's all I can say about it now. Hopefully something comes together because we had such a great time with the summits that we've done on the cruise ship in, in Las Vegas, in Atlantic City. You know, uh, we're trying to, you know, anytime we get that opportunity to come together and do something special for the people who are dedicated to Straight No Chaser, it's it's amazing for us. Awesome. And do you guys ever think of doing another cruise or was one enough? Um, you know, we, we've talked about it. It's a, more of a logistical thing and also, you know, the, the benefit of, of doing something versus doing something else. You know, what we can do on the cruise, we can also do potentially at a venue or a location and make a, uh, have more control and also be able to um, do more and, and create a bigger bang for, for people's bucks. So um, I think all of those things are kind of in mind when we do it. There's a lot of people that felt it was limiting doing a cruise. Uh, a lot of people were very excited about it. Um, and by limiting, I mean the, the expense and where it was leaving out of and all the different things. So we're trying to be accessible. I know that's something we've talked about when we've been trying to plan the the next summit. Completely understand. You know, everybody does have their own opinion on it. I was just curious because I've been on a cruise with another group in the past, and yes, it was a little expensive. So I kind of understand where you're going with that. So, um, in terms, like, kind of to not just focus just solely on what you do with Straight No Chaser, but um, I know you have your own podcast, the Chase Podcast. So, um, you know, are you planning to do more with, you know, guests and, and or, like, I know you've kind of been busy, but uh, I know last year, didn't you have a, I think I was able to participate in the March Madness fun. So are you going to do that again this year? 
Yeah, there seems to be good demand for that. I yeah, I've definitely slacked off on my podcast uh, producing since uh, the last album was being recorded, and I just sort of decided that I was going to spend the time that I would be doing the podcast and on on working on music for the group. So I'm not. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be be it for what I'm doing, but you know, I, I Ryan Ryan and I recently did. Uh, a podcast where he you know he plays the character of Chris Martin and we we uh you know we we rehashed that that was Ryan pushing that out there and uh we did a podcast in the fall where we you know we did three or four where we had guys come on and talk about the album release um I've got a couple in mind it's just a matter of finding time between arranging and then also uh hanging out with my boy here and my wife so <laughs> I I I uh I miss I miss doing it and I uh I hope to get a chance to do some more in the near future here. Awesome. Well exciting. Oh but you asked sorry, you asked about the March Madness thing. Sorry, I totally skated that. So yeah, we did it we, we did it for um football this past year and I'm sure we'll do a March Madness one again this year too. Cool. Yeah, I watched my team go down in the Blaze Board today. Um so uh, any, like, I know you said arranging, and, and are you guys always, you know, arranging and thinking of new music to do? And my second, next question, too, is that, uh, are you guys planning to do more original songs? Because the original songs on the new old fashioned were awesome. So, um, I know Tyler tweeted something about possibly doing more, but what are your thoughts? Thank you very much. Uh, the, um, First of all, we'll definitely be doing more originals. Um, you know, guys are always working on it. It's a matter of, you know, our audience, I think, um, our, you know, our devoted audience wants to hear as much different stuff, whether it be our original stuff or new arrangements or different styles, holiday music. Um, and our, the audience that I think are, I guess you could say passive audience, people that come and see us maybe once a year or, you know, happen to, you know, drop in on the group every once in a while, I think they know us more as a, a band that does other people's music. So, um, you know, we obviously try to, you know, our albums are usually 90 to 95% um, covers and, you know, maybe throw a song or two on there that are original. So I think that will, that formula will probably stay the same. You know, maybe at some point we'll do in a six-pack of just all original songs. We haven't really spoken about that officially, but that's something that I think would make a lot of sense. And then as for, you know, arranging, there's not always a project. There's not necessarily an album or a tour that, you know, we look down and say, okay, we need to finish X amount of arrangements in order to put this forth. But the the idea of arranging for arranging's sake to have new music is constant. At least it is for me. I've got a couple on my mind right now that I'm trying to figure out which one I should attack first and, you know, I'll work on one and then I'll work on another and then when I get one to a point, I'll just kind of follow through and finish it off. So, um, yeah, so arranging is something that is constant and is constantly on the mind as well. Oh, and I kind of want to point out too, um, I think uh, Creep, uh, your, your, you guys' version of Creep is probably one of the best covers I've ever heard. Um, and it was it was even 
awesome, like, seeing it in Mesa a few weeks ago because it's just, you guys just, I don't know, it's something about that song from Radiohead to begin with, but then there's been so many different covers, but to hear acapella and the way you guys arranged it, 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 I don't know, I know I can speak for other chasers, but we're like, yeah, that is, like, epic. Um, is there any, like, I know you collaborate, didn't you collaborate on that with Dan? For the I arrangement? did. Yep. And and was it just like, oh, hey, we're going to just, you know, a radio headphones, let's do something special? So I had started working, thank you for your compliments on it. I, I started working on it um, during the time that we were writing the, doing the album for Under the Influence. So that was two years ago, maybe maybe longer. And I hit a point that uh, it was between that and some other songs that I was working on, and I felt that I I wanted to save that, the arrangement, so I never actually brought it to the group. And then when we were playing the album for um, for the for this last one, um, I had it and I was working on it, and I came to a point where there's, I thought I was hearing the piano accompaniment behind it, a quote-unquote piano accompaniment, and it wasn't really matching what I wanted. So Tyler being one of the guys in the group, I asked him to do kind of some variations on the, the chord progression and he sent it back and it still wasn't exactly what I was looking for. So I reached out to Dan, who is also an accompanist, a, a, a great accompanist piano player. And I asked him to just, you know, give some ideas on the backgrounds. And what he sent back was basically the, the arrangement, as in the background, so the the vocals that I did. So, a lot of what you're hearing, the the front vocals, a lot of the the string lines, quote unquote, that you're hearing are mine. And, but a lot of the accompaniment, kind of the background rhythm, is is all Dan. So, you know, sometimes it's knowing your a a good a good strength is to know your your weaknesses and to know who can help strengthen those. So. Um, Dan obviously did a great job and, uh, it was, it was fun to work with him. We, you know, we've been in the group together for a, a long time. Even when he wasn't in the group, we, we worked together, but never actually worked together on the same arrangement. So that was a lot of fun for the both of us and hopefully we'll get to do it again sometime soon. Awesome. And was there like a conscious effort just to strictly keep it to the song and not like the twist you guys usually do with maybe a medley or, or, you know, kind of putting two songs, maybe one from an era before and a present-day song together? Was it consciously like, yeah, we're just going to do creep and we're going to make it, you know, what people are, you know, know about the song? Yeah, I think I think creep stands alone on its own. And it was, there was just so much that we could, it's only four chords, the entire song. But there's just so much to do with it, so many different sections. So it's fun to do variations on four chords um, over the the great sections that are written for that. It's, it's, it's funny how a rock song like that can work so well for acapella. And in in terms, I don't know. I don't want to obsess over it, but like I said, I'm a huge fan of the song. Um, in terms of like other versions you've heard, 
what what was the conscious decision for like all of you to be like singing lead as opposed to just one of you like you know Jerome does or Steve or you or so it was that was a conscious decision like when I did my own demo which is me recording all of the parts I heard a multi-layer solo as in if it was a choir singing it and it was even more haunting to hear more than just one voice, to hear a slew of people singing the same line. And when we do it live, we can only get like four or five guys at a time on on it, singing it together. But the thing that I try to um, enforce to the guys that are singing it is not to venture off the melody, to sing it as strict and as choral as possible which, you know, most of us, I think all of us have had a choral background at some point, either having sung in Indiana, in choirs, or in high school at least. And so using sort of that technique in a less loose choral setting, I think it really helps um, create the effect of the spookiness, the, um, you know, all of these people saying the same thing together Um at the, you know, in the, in the same vein. Cool. So, and I kind of want to go to, like, the live shows and, and kind of how it's kind of different than recording. So, has there been a uh, medley or song that you've done over the years, the last, you know, seven, eight years, that you were surprised got the reaction it did live from an audience? Yeah. Uh, hmm. I mean, there's, there's a, a, the first example that came to mind is we did a version of, uh, we mixed up Blurred Lines with, um, you know, the Robin Thicke song with, uh, with the song Kiss by Prince. And we, we had that as our closer for a, a tour. I was just going to mention that. Continue. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, so. Yeah, that's probably one of my favorites you guys have gotten. That entire. I don't. I don't know. I feel like if you brought it back, nobody would say no. <laughs> yeah. So continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We uh, we we put that together. You know, it was there was so many different things that that from that arrangement standpoint, we weren't sure if we should just do the one song. We weren't sure if we should just do the other song. We weren't sure if we should do them together. We weren't sure how much we should feature it. So it was very organic when we were doing the arrangement. I brought the parts because the songs are very straightforward. Um, besides the background, like the, the trio that sings in, in Kiss, it's very straightforward. It's kind of a loop of the same things. And we started doing the arrangement in rehearsals, and we'd say, okay, cut these four measures out, make these four measures longer. Let's do, you know, let's mix this part into that part. and you know, what we came up with the first time we performed it was at, was in Las Vegas at the Chaser Summit. And, or was it on the cruise ship? It was at a summit. I know that for sure. And the first time we did it, it, we got a standing ovation at the end of it. And we purposely, the first time we do something for, when we do a song for the first time, we purposely don't try to put it either at the beginning of the set or at the end of the set because we don't want to start the set off weak in case that the first time we do the arrangement, we're either not totally in sync or there's something that goes wrong with the lighting or 
vocally, if, you know, we missed, there's a sound cue miss or whatever. We just like to put it in the middle of the set. So it was in the middle of the set. I got this huge applause. I was like, okay, well, that's gold. And we, we, we closed the set with it for, for the next fall tour. So, you know, again, like sometimes, you know, we'll have this, this very heady, very thinky arrangement that we think is just going to crush and we do it. And it's just it's not crickets, but it's, it's like a very, I remember I did an arrangement of a Bruno Mars song, the song Runaway, and we had it as a, as the opener for like the first three or four song, first three or sh- first three or four shows that we did it, and uh, that again proved the lesson that sometimes you think something is going to go over better than you didn't. I I don't know if the audience just didn't get it or if it was, you know, just not, you know, it wasn't strong enough. So you know, it works both ways where sometimes something really hits and you're surprised and sometimes something misses and you just move on from there. Also, uh, some songs from our albums that people request more than others, we try to do those songs live and they just, they don't work. There's either too many voices. Uh, A good example of that is Man Who Can't Be Moved, which is one of our most popular recorded songs. We've done that live and it gets a pretty mixed reaction. I think it's just because it's not a very well-known song outside of you know, from chasers or from people that are over in the UK. So when we do that song, it's it doesn't necessarily hit very well, and um, you know, it's it's also a very complicated arrangement. So, um, so and then sometimes we'll do a song like Shout, which is you make me want to shout. It's just the the most straightforward. I don't want to say cheesy arrangement, but it's just it's basically Jerome just going crazy for the two or three minutes that it is. And that song tears the house down when we do it. So you just never know. You just ne- you never know. And sometimes the you know you put so much time into something and it doesn't work, or you put so little time into something and it goes over gangbusters. You just it, you scratch your head and just never know the formula. And that's why performing it for the audience is our best barometer for whether or not a song is going to succeed, not only in our live show but uh, as a recording. So. Speaking of the Birdlines Kiss, when was the decision to add, um, like, the Get Lucky, Want to Be Starting Something to the beginning of it? Because that was epic, too. I mean, all those hits in one, it was just, like, one hit after the other, and you guys killed it. So, like, why did you guys just be like, oh, we need to add a couple more songs to to make this a finale? Or was it just, like, you guys were just like, well, whatever? Like. So the way that worked is, thank you, by the way, the, the way it worked is that Tyler did the arrangement for um, Get Lucky, or was it Mike? I think it's Tyler. Tyler did the arrangement for Get Lucky and Want to Be Starting Something. And I did the arrangement for Blurred Lines and Kiss. And we liked the idea of um, of the vamp of 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 you want to be starting something, the baseline for that. We like the idea of doing that vamp with our introductions over top of it. And we generally try to do our intros as the last song. Um, but we didn't feel like that song on its own could close the show. So we liked the Get Lucky um, song. I'm sorry, we liked the uh, the Blurred Lines medley to close the show. So what we did was we basically just added a, um, a drum um, you know, Don does like a kick drum between the two songs 
and we move to our positions between the end of the one song to the beginning of the next. So that was um, that was totally two different arrangements that we just put together with a little bit of a drum fill to allow us to get to um, the next portion of the, the the medley, like where we needed to stand on stage and stuff. Okay. So, and I kind of to go along with that is uh, is there any medleys or songs that you guys specifically, more specifically, do you like get do you guys get sick of singing, like, for, for for instance, like, the 12 Days? I mean, we all love it, but I know you guys, um, you know, it's the encore, so do you guys ever get sick of anything that you guys perform, or is it just uh, you still love just being on there, having a set list that you guys go over? Well, it's definitely both. I mean, I can't, I, you'd be lying if you said that you're not, I'm not tired of singing specific, specific songs. I won't say which one, just in case it's somebody's favorite, and now all of a sudden they're like, oh, no, like, they don't like singing that song. And it's not a necessary, that's the other thing. It's, they, it's not that I don't enjoy or don't like singing a particular song, because it's a necessary thing. Like, our audience is the only reason, we wouldn't be singing a song over and over again if it wasn't for the fact that our audience loves hearing it performed. And, um, you know, I won't say that 12 Days is one of those songs because what we've done with 12 Days every year is put a different twist on it. Um, for a while, we had um, Hava Nagila added into that or we, we did the Christmas Can Can as part of that. So, you know, there's, you know, or with Africa, we've, we've done different things with the way that Africa is performed, the way we go into it or how long or short it is. You know, so... You know, there are parts of an arrangement that we'll do that sometimes we'll, we just say, okay, let's flip this on its head so it's just a little different. Um, yeah, but I mean, if, if a song was not beloved, um, it would give us no reason to, to need to do it over and over again. So, um, and I, I, I know for a fact that with particular songs that we do very often that we keep bringing back, there's different levels of, of like and disdain between the guys, the 10 guys in the group. It's not a unanimous think piece that, that we all feel the same way about songs. So just because one guy, uh, uh, for example, that uh, I, I will name a song that we've done happy, uh, the Pharrell arrangement of happy. And there's one guy in the group, <laughs> if he's listening to this, he knows who he is. He cannot stand doing that arrangement, but, um, it, but that's the way it's always been. Like that's the way he felt about it when we first started doing it. As you know, it's just again, it's ten guys, different, ten different opinions, and you know, um, when those songs are in the set, we just know that we just need to do it the best we can. Makes sense. So another thing I kind of also want to address before I let you go, and I, again, I don't want to uh, take your night away, but um, I, I think another great thing about you guys' appeal is the fact that you guys. Um, have sense of humor and you bring in like comedic elements to it, especially with the movie medley and the Broadway medley and all the medleys you kind of, you know, poke fun at whatever. Do you think um, because of that, it seems like you guys don't take yourselves too seriously is, is why you're seeing all of us kind of gravitate towards, you know, getting the word out about, you know, what you guys are doing and, and kind of, how there's, like, the ways we, we spoke about in the beginning of the podcast uh, have been happening. Because, like, with Pentatonix, 
it's different. They have their own way of doing things and all the other groups we've mentioned. So do you think that's kind of like a different spin on things? Yeah, I mean, since we first got together back in college, I mean, we would we would hang out and joke around and, you know, and the, the way most collegiate groups are, there's a fraternal or, you know, sorority type of aspect to collegiate groups. They're just, you know, people stay friends long after the groups are, you know, long after people graduate, long after they've been in the groups. They'll go back to reunions and there's, you know, and it's just like any group of friends, you have inside jokes and you like to, you know, make fun of yourself for having those jokes. And the fact that we're up on stage showing that side of us is, is real. It's, and that's, I think, something, you know, along the way that we, we, you know, we, the 10 of us, you could say maybe some of us are professional in the sense of if we went out on our own, you know, there were guys that were doing Broadway or doing different national tours or whatever before the group got back together. And there were guys that had no aspirations of being a professional singer in any, in any, any point. And, you know, we can all do different things and we've all been doing this now long enough that we can be considered professional acapella singers. But, you know, we, we're not, we don't take ourselves too serious because there's, there's no point in doing so. Um, and, you know, kudos to groups that can carry it on their own. But I'm sure if anybody can look behind the curtain and see those groups screwing around, that's, that's the type of thing that really brings people in because again, it's just a mirror of your own friends group and, you know, crews or whatever. And, uh, so the fact that we get to do that on stage and that people are drawn to it and aren't, you know, turned off by it is a huge bonus because if we had to be, you know, if we took ourselves too seriously every night on stage, it would be a lot more difficult than it is the way that we do it now and the way that we hope to always do it. Awesome. Well, um, before I let you go, uh, for those that are new to, uh, I don't know why they would be, but for those that are tuning in, where can I find you on Twitter and all of that jazz? Yeah, so Straight No Chasers is at SNC Music. Uh, SNC is in Straight No Chaser at SNC Music. Uh, also on Instagram at SNC Music, uh, and Facebook, SNC Music. Our website is SNCMusic.com. Uh, for me, my Twitter handle is SNC Walt. You can also find me at Walter Chase, which is my second Twitter. I use that as a, my Straight No Chaser is more just Straight No Chaser or musical type of things, and my Walter Chase is a little bit more rambling. Uh, also, I use uh, the Walter Chase as more of my outlet for the Chase podcast. Um, yeah, that's all the social media stuff. If you're if you're interested in seeing us, check out our our websites. And we're constantly touring. We're touring six months out of the year, and uh, always putting out new stuff. So make sure to follow us. Awesome, and I, I look forward to maybe hearing about the Chaser Summit because sadly I wasn't able to get a picture with you guys when you were here in Mesa a few weeks ago. So I hope to in the future. Um, and again, thank you so much for for you know being on the podcast. And uh, hopefully we could chat in the future. And um, looking forward to following you guys when you guys head up Paris soon. 
Thank you. I appreciate your uh, your support. All right. Well, uh, thanks again, Will, and then, uh, I will talk to you soon. All right. Thanks. Bye. All right. Bye.